Welcome to my Love Life Podcast, episode number 137, Raising Children in the Age of Technology. It's October 24th, 2023. I'm your host, Lisa A. Lundy, author, blogger, YouTuber, motivational speaker, and podcaster. I am also a member of the Newsweek Expert Forum. What I do is I help people be happy, healthy, and well-loved, even when life is extremely difficult. As my disclaimer, this podcast does not constitute medical or therapy advice in any capacity. My music is by Howie Moscovich. Raising children in the age of technology. Oh my goodness, this is a very, very, very significant topic, which I will dive right into in a moment, but I do have a few housekeeping things to cover. Number one, it is a gorgeous day here on October 24th. I am sitting outside in this beautiful sunshine, and truthfully, I am going to tell myself, I'm hoping to catch a couple rays because I didn't get to have my professional new headshots taken in September because of my car accident or even earlier. So I am hoping to get that done next week at a speaking event that I'm going to be speaking at. And I love it when I have just a little bit of color. So I will be managing some outside background noise, which it'll be a little bit. So I'll be turning it on and off and doing the best I can. And worst case, if it's really that bad, people, I can delete it unpublish it and re-record it, which I probably won't do. I'm not that much of a perfectionist. So now, for those of you who don't know, I'm in rehab, a rehab facility, since the end of September from a Labor Day car accident. I will, all of my injuries will heal and are healing, so I'm very lucky, very extremely lucky. I must, I must be on this earth to finish what I'm doing. All right, so first off, I am not a medical or professional or therapist in any capacity that's where you should get your medical or therapy advice I'm not that I do have good things to say but I'm not a licensed provider or an unlicensed provider if you are listening to this podcast and you are feeling suicidal hopeless or that life is too hard or you can't continue or that the world would be better off without you I am asking you to interrupt that thinking right now which is very common thinking by the way If you knew how common it was, you'd probably feel normal. You might feel like 100% better. I'm asking you to stop and call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. You're probably feeling suicidal because of trauma from your childhood or something that happened to you that you are not to blame for. So take the help, there's lots of help available, and let's get you going in in a better direction. Now you have no no doubt that I'm outside. If you happen to be in the deaf or hard of hearing community or you're associated with people who are in the deaf and hard of hearing community, number one, I would appreciate it if you let those people, let your peeps know that I have transcripts for all of my podcasts going back to day one on my rss.com platform and it is for their convenience to let people know. All right, I do have a giveaway 
you can register for that on my website i'm not shipping i'm not having my it guy pull the names and notifying winners until next year in which case we'll do a, a couple month catch up uh, after after i'm settled and i can walk <laughs> all right let's get right into this first of all raising children in an, in the age of technology first of all i did do that i have done that i did raise three children in an age of technology so i will be talking about my personal experiences but right away i want you who are listening to this if you have children or grandchildren or nieces or nephew or some young people that you deal with which could mean you're a teacher or some other kind of professional or a sports coach or what have you uh, I want you to listen to this podcast with an open mind and do your best to not go right away into overwhelm because many people in the world live in overwhelm. They're barely getting through the day. Life is a struggle. They're not happy. They're, they may have anxiety, depression. They may do you know catastrophizing or negative thinking and just basically they're just kind of on the edge. And I understand that. So I'm asking you to not go right to the edge and go, oh, this is just one more thing for me to do. It's too hard. Just take a breath and listen to what I'm saying because I, I promise you I have good news. This is the good news channel. There's always good. When I'm around, I'll find, I'll, well, not for everything, but for almost everything I can find good news. So there are many issues related to technology and children and more probably than you're aware of. And I understand the difficulties of having children not have full access or you taking back control of, of the time they're on social media or gaming or on the internet. I understand it. So the first part of this podcast, I really want to take a little dive into, well, why does this even matter? Well, <clears throat> because I think it is my opinion that the more you understand why this is so significant, the more motivated you will be to make a difference. So we, what we know currently at this, at this point in society and in the world in research is that there's a, there are many negative complications from technology on children and young people. So to condense this, I'm just going to list off 15 negative impacts of technology, then I'm going to take that one step further. So number one, intellectual complications. That means lower cognitive functioning and reduced volume of several areas of the brain. That's really bad. Body image dissatisfaction. It can encourage the consumption of unhealthy food. It can decrease Verbal intelligence, meaning smaller increases in the regional volume of gray-white matter in several brain areas after a few years, which impacts five areas. Language processing, attention, executive functions, rewards, and emotions. It can sexualize children. It can make them vulnerable to exploitation, decrease mental health, promote aggressive behaviors, cause or create low self-esteem, increase anxiety, cyberbullying, obesity, sleeping issues or disturbances, physical inactivity, sense of isolation, and changes in circadian rhythm. So there's 15 negative impacts. Well, let's talk about 
what what really are what am I really saying with that well the piece I want to focus on for you is the executive function of the brain because I just found out about the executive function of the brain in 2018 when I got kicked out of therapy and found out mine was a very well developed well that's nice but what does that even mean well this is what it means the executive function of your brain is where your cognitive processes and mental skills go on so in that, that helps you plan and uh, monitor and successfully execute goals including attention so attention to detail or attention control working memory inhibition or self-control and problem-solving now there isn't a hundred percent agreement but there is there are some experts who lay out seven different uh, functions, executive functions of the brain. And I'm just pointing out, it's not 100% agreed to on this, but there's, there's some agreement. Some experts say this. I think it's probably fairly accurate, or I wouldn't include it. Number one, self-awareness. Self-awareness falls under executive functions of the brain. Well, that's very important if you've listened to my podcast. Inhibition, nonverbal working memory, verbal working memory, emotional regulation, motivational regulation, planning and problem solving skills. What kind of life would you have if you didn't have those skills? So we're talking about technology having a negative impact on children and young adults or young people. And we're talking about, I'm talking about the negative impacts on the executive function of the brain. Well, I haven't listed the negative impacts fully. I've listed 15 negative impacts. But now I'm going to focus on this executive functioning of the brain because this is a very, very, very important for mental health and mental wellness and life and life skills. So what would happen to your child's brain or young adult's brain or teen's brain or whatever if, if their executive functioning of their brain didn't fully develop, if something interrupted that? Well, they would have several problems. One... They would probably have trouble completing, starting or completing a task. They would have trouble completing steps, multiple steps in a sequence of a project. They would have trouble keeping their belongings organized, struggle to make decisions. They would likely have uh, issues with impulse control or emotional control. They would act without thinking frequently or often, and they may appear overly emotional. So... Do you want your child to have trouble with these significant functions in life? Well, I would certainly hope not. So the point of this podcast is to give you, number one, the significance of how negative this can be. And then B, the second part is, here's a whole list of things that you can do to help your child and offset negativity as far as their developing brains or their brain or their social or their mental health and well and well-being and I actually think um, yeah so first of all <laughs> I know that uh, as as far as a long time ago because my kids are older now that uh, we've we've had for quite some for, for as long as I've been around in this topic and technology we've had what's called sandbox games and sandbox games aren't aren't bad in and of themselves because you have multiple players playing together so it provides kind of an aspect or an opportunity 
for socialization and making friends. Although they are online friends, and unless you're geographically close, which many times the kids playing sandbox games are all over the map, uh, that, that's not all negative when you're doing gaming that's sandbox games. Now, solo games, different story, that doesn't apply. What, 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 and in this little tiny section, I'm going to give you the only two benefits to technology. Well, really in this part, we're talking about the overuse of technology because, of course, technology keeps you in, instantly connected with messaging and, you know, FaceTime and all kinds of things. So there's, there are some benefits, but we're talking about the overall overuse. For three to five-year-olds, if you limit, three to five-year-olds, if you limit their time on technology to 30 minutes a day, the research showed that provided a benefit of psychosocial development and executive function. So technology can boost creativity, it can provide a window or an opportunity for some socialization and making friends, but that's a pretty short list of benefits compared to hampering or impeding the development of a developing brain, because let's not forget, well, you might not have heard all my podcasts. A young person's brain doesn't finish developing until their late 20s. So, if you have a 15-year-old, their brain is going to continue to develop until 28 or somewhere in that, in that vicinity. So it's not like, well, my, my, my son or daughter is 20. It's too late for them. It's not too late for them. Their brain is still developing. And if they live with you or you have influence on them, you can help them develop good, healthy habits and do what you can to offset this. Okay, so one of the big things that has been talked about and is a growing concern and definitely a concern, was a concern for me when my kids were, you know, and under my control and under my household and under 18, before they went to college, but it's still, it's, you know, it's a very significant area, which is safety, safety and limits. So, of course, you want to do what you can to be safe online. And there are many apps and many programs and platforms that you can either get for free or purchase. And if it were me, I would go to someone who is a safety expert or a couple safety, online safety experts and see what they're recommending and then make a decision. I did the best I could, but if I had a do-over, I will be honest and say, I really fell short a little bit on this. And if I had a do-over, I would do that piece a little bit differently. Now what I did, I was doing the best I can, okay? I mean, let me tell you. If you're being and you're in a domestic abuse and a very toxic, dysfunctional marriage and you're trying to raise kids and you have two other traumas going on unrelated to yourself, like outside of you, yeah, it's a very difficult time in life. So you just do the best you can. We're all doing the best we can. And then the more we grow, the more we develop, the more we expand our thoughts and, uh, and, and grow, the easier life becomes. So one of the things that I did do, which I would say... Uh, was a good thing was when my oldest earned all the money to have a laptop which he did he filed papers for me he worked he worked so hard I I will never forget it how quickly he made every penny to purchase his own laptop 
Now, I don't know if I would have said yes if I had known he was going to do it and do it so quickly. I think I thought, oh, that, you know, however many hundreds of dollars it was back in the day. It was, of course, a lot more then than it is now. Um, so he earned the money all by himself, every penny, bought a laptop, and then we created what we called the laptop agreements, which was a written document that I created and he agreed to that established the rules for the laptop. And I, and I didn't, I didn't dig one up for this podcast, but you know, they were things like still have to do his chores, still has to get his schoolwork done, can't interfere, can't cause problems. And there were probably the first version of the laptop agreements. There were probably only, I don't know, five or six, seven things. It wasn't very long. It wasn't a full page. It wasn't complicated. And then as he had his laptop, we discovered other areas that needed to be addressed. And we went through several iterations. Oh, there goes the train. Hold on. Okay, the train has gone. So we went through many different versions of the laptop agreements addressing problems as they came up to end up with a final document. Might have been a page, might have been over a page, I don't remember. I, I certainly have an electronic copy somewhere on a hard drive, but it was, the intention was correct to set agreements and rules and boundaries and guidelines for how this was going to work, including certain violations the laptop would be, re be removed for a period of time. So that wasn't a bad thing. And if I had to do over, I would do that. And I would, I would recommend something. Anyway, so safety concerns, get in under that or be very involved with your child so you know who they're talking to. Because if you know anything about all this uh, sexual abuse and the grooming and all of that uh, predatory activities, that often happens with people that you know or that are in your circle or your kids' friends or something. So, you know, figure out how you're going to handle the safety aspect and, and do that. And then, you know, make sure you have some boundaries and some agreements. So that will help you avoid upsets and it will set the stage for proper expectations. So that's that. Now, the next part of this, I consider the fun, the fun part, okay? I had fun with it. I, listen, life is very hard. Life, my life has been extremely hard. So, of course, I want to have fun anytime I can, everywhere I can, with everyone I can. Why not? Why not? I just don't understand why you wouldn't want to have fun. Well, I understand because for some people, their life has been so hard and they've never really had a lot of fun. So, the first piece of this is social suggestions. You have lots of opportunities, whether, you're, um, if, whether your children are in public or private school or you're homeschooling. So those are the three distinctions for education up through high school or, well, online, but that I'm, I'm considering online as public or private or homeschool because most online falls under one of those three. But you have an opportunity at your disposal while your kids are still under your influence, while you're still paying the bills and they're still living with you to foster your children, your child or children 
making friends and social connections. And I am gonna to talk to you about this because this is significant. We know from the research in adults that having enough social connections and spending time with people, friends or whoever your social connections are, is, is more important to physical health and well-being than like obesity and other other health problems. So it's a very significant for human beings to have social connections and not be isolated to the extreme. So whether it's public, private, or homeschool, most entities, including homeschool, by the way, which I did homeschool for 15 years, so I have experience on that, you have clubs, activities, sports, music, and other, um, sometimes drama, and other clubs or groups that your child can participate in. Now, I understand kids. I've been around them since I was a kid. All, like I have decades and decades, a whole lifetime of spent with babies, newborns, children, toddlers, teens, and young adults. I understand. For most kids, they're not going to say, oh, yes, I'd love to go join two or three activities. I understand that's not how it goes. But you are the parent. You set the tone. You set the rules. You set the example. And you make the suggestions. Now, when my kids were homeschooled, we got involved once uh, the immune system, one of the kids had a no immune system. And once that got handled, and it did get handled, uh, they have a great immune system, well, I think, then we could participate more fully in activities that involved children their age. What activities might your children be interested? Well, you won't know if you don't if they don't try something. So when my kids, the only my two two of my three kids had uh, one had one year of public school, and the youngest had like two and a half years of public school, and the oldest had no public school. He was completely homeschooled. So once the two younger kids went to public school, I told them they had to participate in at least one extracurricular activity and I'm not saying they were happy about <laughs> listen my kids have not been happy about lots of things that I've done but they were under my roof and and I made it fun and that's how it went and let me tell you it was a wonderful experience I think um, I think Noah was in drama and might have been in drama for a while but they did different things and it was good for them so you might have to sit down with your kids and say all right here's some choices for activities I would like you to pick one or two or what have you get them if the first activity doesn't work let's try something else because when your child is in a public or private school that has clubs activities sports music etc drama whatever that's the perfect opportunity for your child to interact with other children so you don't want to miss that now if you're homeschooling or for what other reason, the other thing that you can do that I did is find out what activities the kids are doing that your kids might be interested in. So for example, I have two, well, they were boys then, they're now men, but some of the boys in the homeschool community were doing airsoft. So that like nerfy kind of, you know, not a BB gun, but a soft kind of gun outdoors and so I got my children involved in that we it didn't it wasn't as successful as I'd hoped I'd hope we'd get a big group to do it but they did end up having some wonderful activities of airsoft with friends but it didn't it didn't really take off the way I had hoped but it was it was a very 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 good thing another thing that I did which was the bomb 
I actually started a Toastmasters gavel club in Buffalo to help my friend, my kids meet and make friends in the homeschooling community because somebody, well, I was under severe economic abuse, so somebody would not provide funds for music, dancing, karate, the, the normal activities that you might be able to afford if you were making over $100,000. So to circle that, kind of skirt around it, I started a Toastmaster Gavel Club. I, I was a distinguished Toastmaster at the time and had uh, a lot of experience. This was so amazing. So the Gavel Club is actually a full-on Toastmasters club but they do it in three segments. Either it's for prisons, which of course, if you're doing it for kids, they're not in prison. But prison, they'll do gavel clubs in prisons, they'll do it at unemployment centers, and they have it for youth under 18. You have to be under 18. So that because the, there's no annual dues, you pay like $20 to, to get your manual set, and it's a, it's a very low cost program for those three markets. It, was uh, a little slow start because the other parents of the homeschool children they didn't they weren't familiar with Toastmasters so I was asking them to kind of trust me and send their kid which they mostly drove their kids and stayed for the meeting and it just it exploded and it ended up in Buffalo we ended up having too many kids for one uh, meeting and I ended up having two different sections. So I think there was a total of over 40 kids, maybe 50. And one group met one week and the other group met the other week. So they met twice a month, but there were two actually different clubs kind of going on. And then when uh, the kids and I moved to State College, Pennsylvania, uh, I started a gavel club in State College because it, really, it was really quite fun. You want to see something that's amazing. You see young kids. I mean, some of the kids were very young, like eight or younger get up and give a speech. It is motivating, it is inspiring, it is one of the most beautiful things I have ever seen, and I am so grateful I got to be a part of it, and it made a difference for those kids. I actually last year ran into one of the kids, so this is now um, 10, 13 years later, and, and he remembered me, and he said, oh, that Toastmasters Gavel Club was one of the most important, significant, and formative experiences of my childhood. And I was like, wow so glad I ran into him. Now, you might not want to start a Toastmasters gavel club, or you might not want to get somebody you know who's a Toastmaster to do it, but you could teach art. You could get somebody to teach art. There's so many things you could do to bring other kids together. I did teach uh, kids art, how to make artist trading cards at one little function. You know, it's all about getting kids together and let them figure out what they want to do. Now my kids, once we had the gavel club up and they were in a, in a youth group at church, uh, we did have uh, an, a mystery party just again, get the interactions. Now I, that did cost a little money for the, all the food and you know refreshments, but it was worth it. Your kids are worth the investment of whatever it's going to take so that they make friends. I promise you you will probably, now your kid could be a natural born, gregarious, extroverted child. You don't have to worry about them. That's not most kids. It's some kids, but it's not most kids. So most kids or more of the kids are gonna need a little boost. 
they are going to need the the environment where they are in the same room with other kids and there's some common interest or something going on and interactions that's what they're going to need for most for the most part if you have one who's just a leader and goes off and does stuff good for you you don't have to worry about that now the next piece of this so so those are some social suggestions and have fun with it listen do you think I had a miserable time in the gavel club? No, I had a ball. It was so amazing. It was, I looked forward to it. I couldn't wait. I listened to the speeches. It was just the most beautiful thing in the world. Now, I will say, one thing we didn't do that Toastmasters does is we did not give constructive feedback in the youth gavel club the way they do in an adult because in children's formation in a public setting, they're very sensitive to criticism. And I did not feel that was appropriate. That was the right call based on three different clubs and 40, 50, 60, you know, 70 kids over a number of years. Now, the next piece is you have to do a little training and prep work with your child, whether it's young, teen, you know, could be a young adult, which is teaching your children how to talk to strangers and how to be conversationalists. Unfortunately, because of how society has changed, this is really not optional for most parents. If you want your child to be very well adjusted, have good social skills, and do well in life. Back in the day, back in the old days, before cell phones and the internet and computers, the kids after school in the neighborhood would get together and play kickball, dodgeball, mother may I kick the can, or hide and go seek, what have you. They were playing, they were talking. They didn't need to be coached into that because it was a natural expression. Oh, we're playing, playing dodgeball, okay, who's it? Oh, where's the ball? What, you know, it was all right there. Now, things have changed dramatically and, and they keep getting worse. So my suggestion is that you make a list with your child of things that they can talk to other children about. I don't care whether they're five or 10 or 20. This is a reasonable thing. And if you're an adult and you have trouble having conversations with other adults, which would be normal, don't be beating yourself up, don't be saying, oh, I'm a loser. No, stop that. Then you make a list because there's all kinds of things to talk about with other people. And then, in my suggestion, is you role play this with your kids. I actually did this with my kids, I know. Listen, I don't get on these podcasts and recommend things I haven't done. I don't know. I can tell there are other people who do that. They recommend stuff that they've never tried. Because I've heard some people say, well, I've never used amaranth flour, but we're going to throw it in a mix because I'm sure it'll be fine. No, amaranth flour is blah. It's terrible. Nobody who's got experience in gluten-free, allergy-free baking would use amaranth flour. But people have, and they've they've said it publicly in a video. Hey, I'm going to throw this in even though I've never had it. Good for you. So what I'm telling you is, I'm offering you things that I've done, and I don't, as a rule, tell you ever to do something I haven't done or isn't well documented in the research. Now, so you're going to role play with the kids and have fun with it. <laughs> I actually have a, a podcast called um, Tips for Difficult Conversations, which is not this, but it does talk about role playing. And because we're talking about children here, I do want to segue and say to help you because I'm all about helping you people. I, I have a great life. I'm happy. I know how to be happy. I don't let people get in the way of my happiness. I got this covered for myself. 
but I see sadness. I see people struggling and it, it hurts my heart. So I'm doing this to help other people. Here goes the train, hold on. Can I just say, it is so hot out here. I'm in a tank top and shorts and I'm sweating. Oh, it's beautiful, so let's hope I get a little color. So, role play the conversations. And do it with, you know, if you need other, just do it, okay, I promise you. And especially, this is good for children as they get older because then they're very used to role playing it and then when they're older they might say to you someday oh i have this really tough situation at work i'm i'm not sure how it's going to go do you want to can we can we can we role play it or can we can we chat it out like why why not like i don't know it works for me i do it with, i do it with my friends all the time something else i did which i highly 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 recommend because it is going to help you foster the development of the executive functioning of the brain, which is setting goals and, and monitoring goals and making lists with your children and, and teens and young adults. Now, I didn't set out as a parent with all the stress I had to have my children make lists when they were very young. Uh, it didn't occur to me to be honest and I somewhere I have a video and someday when I find it if my two of the kids if the kids will give permission I would love to put it up on my YouTube channel it is freaking adorable I, I happen to go into now back in the day at that time I was using a Franklin planner which the kids saw me they saw me making lists lists for the day you know my master list what I'm up to let's go what are we doing and I went into the boys bedroom at the time they were sharing a room and I said, what, you know, like just get, went in to check on them. What are you doing? What's going on? And they were so proud that um, I think I think Luke might have had a Franklin planner. I really have to find that video because at a young age he wanted. At a young, he was a. They were all early readers, very early readers, and he had read Stephen Covey, Covey, Covey's um, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He had read that book and he wanted a Franklin planner one year for his birthday or something. So, so I got him one. But anyway, go in their room and they're making lists and it was just unbelievable. It was so cute. It was, it was shocking to me because it wasn't a pre-planned, oh, go make some lists. And Noah at the time was very young, which is just incredible. And his might have been pectoral, I don't remember. But children will take this on if you're role modeling it so for yourself of course if you want to have an amazing life somebody's got to drive it either you're driving your life or you're drifting along in life I'm a fan of well driving my life now if I have a nice man in my life he can drive and I'll sit in the passenger seat but but for the most part I've had to drive my life and uh, and I do and I don't I don't mind it but I certainly don't mind being a passenger either but get your children setting goals so there's making lists that's one piece setting goals now when the kids were older at some point I don't remember and I'd have to look I'm sh I have a lot of things like this on a hard drive uh, from an old computer but at the beginning of the year usually for me I do it in December but December or early January it's like t it's a new year or a new year's coming or it's a new year it's time to make goals what what are we planning for the next year what's up what's up and I would sit around with the kids and say to each one of them oh here goes the train again hold on 
So I would sit down with the kids and say, let's talk about your goals. I'd write down their goals. I'd write down my goals, their goals. And then if we had family goals, which, which when they were older, I'm saying, you know, 10 or so, whatever, some age, then we would have family goals. And I would write them down. I would type them up. So that's why I know I have some on the computer because I type them up. And then we would do a progress check. Now, the whole thing about the goals was they were the ones who were picking the goals. They were the ones who were deciding, hmm, what do I want to do? Well, there were lots of things they wanted to do as they got older. And, and if they didn't, then we'd say, well, what could you have? What could you have? And it's, it's very interesting. But yes, why not? And if your child can't come up with any goals, then that's going to lead right into my next subject. But hopefully, if your child hasn't lost their sparkle, there are things they want to do. Because if a child has nothing they want to do, it could be a sign of depression. It could be a sign of they're struggling. It's, it's, not, it's not a good thing. When I see kids and they're like, they have no, no, no dreams, no hopes, no, no, nothing that inspires them, nothing they want to do, uh, it, it's concerning to me. It's actually deeply concerning. So I would give my kids a copy of the goal, their goals, and then we would, ch we would touch base. Whenever I happen to touch base on my goals to say, how am I doing? Then I would pull up theirs. And if your kids are really young, and I would start this, I would have started this when they were really young, had, had I thought of it, <laughs> and I certainly would have done it had I known about executive functioning of the brain and the significance, and that these kinds of activities and actions can drive and expand and help that be very well developed and well refined, is you can make colored charts and very whimsical age appropriate goal setting. You know, which you can use for, obviously people use it for potty training, but you can use it for making their bed or cleaning up their, you know, like there's all kinds of things. Now, so that's it. These, this will build skills. Oh, here, motorcycle. Okay, well, we're all very clear that I am outside, right? <laughs> all right, the next suggestion for you, and boy, if you do nothing else, I hope this is gonna be one of the things that you do, which is good for children, it's good for children of any age, adults of any age. It's good for everyone. There is no one this is not good for, which is hobbies. Now, I happen to be the hobby queen or the hobby, you know, like hobby rama. Man, if there's a hobby, I probably have done it or tried it, or it could be on my list. Like I would love to do throw pottery. That I've not done that, but that's really not even on my list. But tons of hobbies I have, starting from a young age, like a very young, like a starting from like. 12 or 10 or I don't know a young age now so my kids by virtue of being my kids each one of them when they turned about a, somewhere between a year and 18 months maybe closer to 18 months they would go in the high chair and they would get to do finger painting or arts and crafts in the high chair why because I wanted to do arts and crafts and I needed my toddler to be confined so they didn't get hurt and I could like paint or do whatever I was doing and typically at that age they would take the non-toxic now non-toxic paint and they would paint all over the paper on their high chair tray and then they would typically they all paint the, painted their face <laughs> like that's normal and I have pictures of it and it was very fun that's age appropriate they're exploring and of course that's also why you want to make sure you're using non-toxic paint but that and we so we did a lot of arts and crafts which was very very critical and important in their fine motor skills, but I'm not in the OTPT world, I had no idea 
that their fine motor skills were superior and it had to do with the amount of arts and crafts, handling scissors, handling crayons, handling paintbrushes, and all that, that fine motor skills. As my kids got older, I realized, hmm, okay, so now it's time for some older hobbies. Because they're all, they're all excellent, they're, they're excellent at art. All three of my kids are amazing artists. Way better than me, for sure. Way, way better. They can outdraw me, like, they could outdraw me blindfolded, I'm sure. But it became time for, for more adolescent teenage hobbies. So I'm a woman and I have two boys. So I thought, hmm. So I went on YouTube as a mother and thought, Let, hobbies for teenage boys. Or I, you know, Google something like that. And I found this plethora of YouTube videos with complete instructions for masculine hobbies for teenage boys and the first one that really caught my eye was this it sounded like a kid they didn't show his face but it sounded like a 12 year old boy like it, he sounded very young and what he did was metal casting so he showed in his videos how to get aluminum cans how to melt them over a little like charcoal fire how to pour the aluminum into a mold how to make the mold and then how to sand the mold to make, he made this beautiful slingshot out of aluminum cans that he had casted. It looked store-bought. It was so professional, you would never ever in a million years believe that a kid made it. So I found that and, and a couple other things and I took my sons and I said, okay, I want you to watch this video. So they did. And then I said, your assignment is, if you don't like that, go find some hobbies that you want to begin and try and start. So Noah did metal casting based on the video that I, I had showed them and he actually made this slingshot and a bunch of other stuff and then Noah did plastic smithing which is melting like grocery store plastic bags in a toaster oven outside and then it becomes a very solid block and then you can cut that and then you can make stuff out of it that's indestructible. And he also got it, so that's plastic smithing. Uh, he also got into making knives, which was amazing. And both boys did woodworking. So, and they did making movies with their friends. They, they just did a, a number of things. So hobbies are very important. They're very, very important. And actually when the kids were younger, before they're, I would have to see, I'll have to ask them how old they were they had a YouTube channel at one point where they were giving like the little trade secrets on how to level up on some particular games so hobbies 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 it's relaxing it's good for you it's good for the brain it's a good for in all kinds of ways and I'm a fan and actually when I was a stepmother way back in the day we, we don't talk about that but I did require my stepchildren to have hobbies and they did and I won't say anything more about that, but, but I mean, they weren't ungrateful. They were grateful. They were happy. Uh, this is good for all kids. It's really, should, it should be mandatory in my opinion. All right. So the next suggestion I have before I wrap this up is that as you're working with your kids, that you, if you haven't already, that you introduce, and you may have, like I did this subtly without giving it a name or making some fanfare about it but to really have what I'm calling here in this podcast 
standard operating procedures. So we did this, but we didn't we didn't give it a name. And you can give it a name or not. But when I what am I talking about? SOPs or standard operating procedures are the things that are routinely done without question, without thinking. So for example, getting up in the morning, making your bed, brushing your teeth, doing your self-care, like keeping your room in decent shape, like doing chores, getting schoolwork done, taking care of your roles and responsibilities in life, depending on what age they are. I mean, my kids all ended up getting jobs outside the house when they were, when they were eligible for working papers. So they had those responsibilities. So, so by, by role modeling how I did life, lists, goals, kindness to other people, the, just kind of the way that I do life, my children learned what the standard operating procedures were without actually being, being told, oh, this is, this is how you do life. And that definitely involves, by the way, self-care. So if you're not taking care of yourself as a parent, that of course will make life much more of a struggle. You know, when you begin to start taking care of yourself as the parent, life will start over time, not right away, but life will start to become easier because you will feel better. The better you feel, the easier life becomes, which is why I'm a fan of happiness and teaching your children happiness, you having happiness skills. Look, life is easier when you're happy, but I'm not talking about happiness related to your circumstances. Because let's let's face it, I had a near fatal car accident at Labor Day. I've been in the hospital or rehab for almost, you know, going on two months. It'll be two months here next week. And this is not a happy place. The hospital wasn't a happy place. Rehab's not a happy place. But I am making the best of it and enjoying it, even though my circumstances are not pleasant. And I'm actually bringing happiness to the floor I'm on. <laughs> I think they might miss me just a teeny tiny bit. Um, so begin to get yourself together. If life is too hard for you, man, you've got my sympathy. You have my full heart. You have my heart. You had me at life is too hard or I'm struggling. I understand the struggle is real and it's not your fault. But all everything I've done is to help you have a better life. Now, the other thing that... Um, I did with my children and this wrap-up I'm gonna make a point to tell you and I'm not as you know I'm not a therapist but this was one good really good thing I mean I listen I really it was a struggle for me being abused and raising children it was I'm not gonna lie that was like this very painful it was it was hard it was I'm, I'm there were days I wasn't sure I was gonna make it it was so hard but I love my children and I wanted my children to have the best childhood possible. That was, that was my end game. Get through raising my children in the best way possible, giving them the best childhood possible because I couldn't fix or change or leave the marriage at that time. And it was toxic and it was bad for them. It was very bad for them. But one thing that I did do that was turned out to be the bomb was I printed out these emotional vocabulary word sheets that you can find on the internet and made my children use three emotional vocabulary words for any situation we were talking about or debriefing on, whether it was positive or whether it was negative, whether it was a happy situation or a sad, angry situation. And I will say, <laughs> I can't, I'm not gonna tell you that my children liked it or loved it. No, I'm not gonna tell you that because that would be a lie. But they did it because I was the parent, they were under my roof and they didn't have a choice. 
And I will say, at one point, my <laughs> my middle son, so he had to be, I think he was a teenager by then, we were driving. And of course, I would keep an emotional vocabulary sheet in the car, because you never know when you're going to need that sucker. He, so something came up, and I said, oh, three words. So I didn't have to say anything. I just said, three, what are you, three words? And he looked over, kind of annoyed, and said, I just have to ask, is that three, is that arbitrary? Did you make that number three up? Or is that three, is that number from the research? <laughs> so, so yeah, my kids already knew back then that I, I was into research. I like to do things that are proven. Why? why? Because when things are proven, we have some, some basis that it should work or it should be good. So at that point, and I will tell you, same thing, I said, well, the three number is actually is arbitrary. So you can use four, you can use five, you can use whatever you want. I use three. There is no number, but I do think three is better than one or two. Now, if you think four is better, go with four. But I did do that. Now, the thing that I would suggest is you do that and go one step further, which I would have done had I known. On my website, under the Newsweek logo, on the right-hand side of, of, my, of my website, is an emotional processing document that is free it's free 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 so print that out you learn that and learn it with your kids that will teach them emotional regulation it will teach them how to process their emotions right now I'm on version 5.0 and I'm sure version 6.0 will come at some point <laughs> I already have some ideas of things I think are missing um, and this is a document this is what we've been deconstructing how I manage and process my emotions because I learned last year and this year I'm extraordinary at that skill who I didn't even know I it was a skill or that I had it and this is something if I had a do-over I would have taught my children but I didn't even know it was a skill that I had or you know, I, like we're not talking about it but this is free for you it's free 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 and if you do that you will help further protect your children from suicide from addictions from painful things in life because when people learn how to manage and process their emotions aka the free workbook on my website they don't have to numb the pain with drugs or alcohol they don't have to like ruin their life because they're in so much pain they don't they, like it's a very very important and I would have taught my children that but I didn't even know that I knew that so here's what I want to say to wrap this up when you do any of the things I've recommended, and I know I've given you lots of options. Well, I'm, a, I'm an options girl. I like options. <laughs> I mean, in certain categories, not in all categories. But you will never, ever, ever regret teaching your children to make friends and the skills that it takes. You will never, ever regret having and helping your children develop hobbies that they enjoy, love, and are inspired by. And you will never, ever regret helping your children to build their executive functioning of their brain by learning to make lists, set goals, and follow up on the goals that they've set. You will never ever regret learning happiness skills or how to be happy when life is hard and emotional processing and teaching your children that. I promise you, you will never regret that. And I understand life is hard. I understand many, for many, too many, way too many people, the majority maybe, you come home from work and you can just barely have dinner and watch a show or whatever you do or game or whatever and then you're in bed and then it's like repeat and you're like you're just not that happy 
I understand it. I'm talking about a different quality of life. That's what I want for you because I love you and I know most people haven't had enough love and affection, which is the other thing. Make sure you're being very loving and affectionate with your children, which for some people is very difficult because they didn't have it as a child. And for some people, they have not, they cannot produce or give what they never received. For some of us, we can, we can give and receive what we didn't get as a child. But then the last thing on this is if you have more than one child, I have a podcast titled, Make Your Children Be Nice to Each Other. That to me is an absolute non-negotiable, n- never to be wavered from law of the land. I would suggest ever so firmly, ever so gently, ever so lovingly, go and listen to that podcast because that is not how parents are raising their children in America or the world. And this is what we know. Up to 80% of American children are bullied or mistreated by their own sibling at home or at school or wherever. So 80, up to 80% of American children are bullied or mistreated by their own sibling. That's not healthy, that's not love, that doesn't make them feel deserving, that doesn't boost their self-esteem, that makes them more prone for addictions, more prone for suicide, more prone for health problems, more prone for every problem in the world. Why would you allow that in your home? Why? Well, people do it because that's how they were raised. People do it because they dismiss, minimize, and demean the impact of what they what do people call it um, oh normal sibling rivalry I did make my children be nice to each other I absolutely did starting from birth all the way through and I talk about the different ways you have to things you have to do based on their ages to make that happen it's not going to be a natural thing you have to be the the leader and the and the one who says this is this is it this is my family this is how it goes now what now I, my kids are grown now I have no control whether they're going to be nice to each other or not. I believe that once my children got to be teenagers and they were out in the world and they saw siblings being cruel and mean and vicious to each other, I think it had a very big impact on them. And they've been out in the world now, so now they see it with coworkers because people around the world will, like you work with a coworker will say, oh, guess what I did to my brother, blah, 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 and then some mean thing they did to their brother. Well, does the coworker say, oh, that's terrible. You shouldn't treat your brother like that. No, most of the coworkers just either laugh or they just go, oh, or whatever. No, make your children be nice to each other. That will be huge. So you've got two pieces here. One is, these are all controllables. Now, if you think you can't make your children be nice to her, to each other, guess what? You won't. It's, it's all in your thinking. When, but you know, you know you. I have never met a person who didn't at some point get very committed to something and just go do it. I've never met a human being who, who, couldn't, who didn't have that and hadn't done that at some point in their life. Now, sometimes it's been so long they forgot. You can do this. I promise you, you can do this. And I've got every kind of free content that I can think of, with more coming, obviously. And for your, your children, for your young people, uh, from you know, 8 or 10 to you know, 30, whatever, or 40, I have, let's see, I have like 40 young people YouTube videos targeted for young people. And 
many of the topics are like how to make friends or my friends aren't that nice to me or the issues that they have, you know? So use the re I've got free resources for you people. I'm trying to help you. Let me help you. I hope that you're enjoying being a parent or if you're listening to this because you're the grandparent, I, I hope you're enjoying that or if you're the aunt and uncle or your teacher, whatever. But I want you to have a great life. It starts with you. So if your life is not cooking on all cylinders, start with you and bring people along for the ride. Like when I learned I didn't have any anger skills in 2006, guess who I took along for the ride? My three kids. What did I say? Oh my gosh, guess what mommy just learned? <gasps> I don't have any anger skills. And we went on the journey. Like, just do it. All right, that's it. Love you. I'm Lisa Lundy saying thank you for listening to my Love Life podcast. Episode number 137, Raising Children in the Age of Technology. I hope that you received some ideas about how important and significant it is for you to take a look at what actions you might be able to take or you could take and take those actions. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to the thinking channel, to the love channel and share this podcast on social media. I love you. I hope you're doing well. Hang in for now. That's it.